0: So ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Easy Conversations. I just want to start by saying thanks to everyone who listened to the last episode featuring the homie Matt and I. It was a great chat on James Bond, Jason Bourne, and John Wick. So I hope you all enjoyed. So now for episode 44 of Easy Conversations, I'm extremely excited to introduce a good friend of mine, Longtime listener of the program and uh, stars in front of the cover of a new novel that just uh, came out. Um, The homie M. Gagnon. Say what's up to the people.
1: Hey, thanks for having me. I'm really excited. Uh, I know we've been trying to do this for quite some time, but uh, I'm happy that I'm here to talk about mental health.
0: Yes, have been trying to lock you in on the pod for a while now, so <laughs> the stars aligned and we were able to make it happen. And also, of course, Matt is with us as well. Matt, say what's up to the people.
2: What's up, everybody? Um, I'm excited tonight because I love recording episodes with a guest, so I'm really looking forward to tonight's episode.
1: Yes, me too. Always a
0: good uh, addition of a third member, provide some different insights, a, a good dynamic, faux show. So yes, like like um, M alluded to, the topic of this episode will be something that's extremely important, and that's been talked about a lot more in the last few years, especially is the topic of mental health. And in this episode, we're going to be going over how COVID-19, the whole quarantine situation, has affected our mental health. How social media can affect our mental health for better or and or worse. And yeah, just touch on a lot of different topics that are interpooled with the mental health as our main focus. So M, would like to throw it out to you first as our guest of honor. We can just start off with how has COVID affected your mental health?
1: Yeah, so when COVID happened, I was actually doing my last, or no, sorry, my fourth out of fifth placement for occupational therapy. So I was doing my master's so when it all came to a halt uh, we had no idea what was going to happen in terms of when we'd be able to graduate when we'd be able to get back and finish our hours that were needed so that was a huge curveball and definitely a big challenge for me Um, but to be totally honest pretty soon in i realized that this was something that is so out of my control that I might as well just roll with the punches. So I started doing stuff that I had put off, like silly things like learning how to do handstands. I never took the time to do that until COVID. So I had some time on my hands. Um, So I tried to make the best out of it. But for sure, there was that huge stress in the back of my mind, like, when am I going to be able to finish school and start my career and move out of my parents right so it, it was definitely um, not easy and it's still not easy but I'm trying trying my best to see the positive in it
0: yeah a lot of uncertainty especially with school there and not knowing when you'd be graduating and all that there thankfully that's all uh, in the past you've graduated started a new job so congratulations
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I was lucky because there are 40 students uh, in my cohort and they couldn't guarantee placements for everybody. So I think most of us are done placement now, but I was definitely one of the uh, first placed students, which really sped up getting a job and all that. So I'm definitely lucky. Some other people I know have struggled a lot more with that, though.
0: Well, good for you that you were uh, one of the top students also mastered the art of handstands. So you got everything going on right now. <laughs> it's, just, it's just buzzing right now.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's pretty good. Okay,
0: that's awesome to hear. Matt, what about you? How have things been since... The, I know we've already talked about it a little on the pod, you and I, but just how have things changed, if they have for you, since the start to where we are now and in, in the fall?
2: Well, let me say, like, at the start, I work in a, I work for a company like there's a lot of employees so we're a big bunch of people and when it started in March everyone was uncertain at work what would happen and like if we were going to keep working is the place going to shut down so there was a lot of stress for me in that first month and everyone at my work reacted a different way so that was stressful for me because you got I have people that are freaking out people that think it's a conspiracy and it doesn't exist so it was all (laughs) over the place for me and I it kind of affected me. I'm not going to lie. Like it was just getting, it was a slog to get through the day at work and just listening to everyone. That was the worst part was listening to everybody else's point of view on the, on COVID. And it really started to take a toll, like reading every single art, like everyone posting what they want on, on Facebook. Like, well, we'll get into that later with the social media. But, uh, so that was the first few months as the weeks went along, people at work started feeling better and, uh, people that were high risk stopped working. So everyone like the morale of everyone got a little better, so did mine. And then I started like n- leaving the house a little bit more cuz I stayed ch- indoors for like 6 weeks not doing anything on my days off. So so to sum up, it was rough at first, but then slowly get into that new routine. And what M said was is super true. Like it's literally so much out of our control. Like you literally can't do anything about it. So uh, that's the big t- takeaway that I got. Like, And there's a lot of things in like. This is a good lesson for other stuff, too, where it's not in your control. Don't stress about it. Um, yeah. But, yeah, feeling a lot better now.
0: It's Words of wisdom. But it's kind of hard not to stress about it with all the uncertainty there. Like, and you know, I definitely did didn't, actually. I can talk you through my progression of it from the start to now where, if anything I'm more affected by it now I would say than at the start because at first for me it was unreal I was off work for like quite a few weeks yeah there was of course a lot of uncertainty in that they told us we wouldn't be working for like three weeks or whatever and so that was a nice little break and uh, got to also like UM do a, a few different things like I actually built to the table that I'm um, recording on now so that's a little humble brag and just like tried a little (laughs) a few different things there here and there home workouts and stuff so a lot of perks and the summer was great actually especially when we were allowed to start getting together and uh, like golf was big for me this summer to see my friends but as the summer especially like the last two months as summers dwindled down and now like the golf season's winding up and like we can't do patios anymore and everything. There's a lot more cases going on in Ottawa. It's been definitely harder. And I feel like not to be negative here, like it could be a very dark winter and uh, we're going to have to rally and use all of our um, available technologies to us to keep in touch because that's definitely something that like made me want to do this pod a little bit was, as I talked about previously How I was always reaching out to people to talk, and that how it kind of had a reverse effect on me that I was becoming dependent on reaching out to so many people. And then when no one texts me, kind of thing, it's like I'm always just checking my phone to see if someone would reach out to me. And it was kind of getting depressing if no one would, you know? So just trying to keep a lot of connections going at the same time has been what's been tough for me in this quarantine and just covid like that's how i would say it affected me
1: yeah i i have to agree with you that's something i I didn't mention but i i have the same group of friends for years like elementary school right so i'm used to seeing them so often and that was really difficult for me because we're not a great group of friends to stay connected online but we do see each other very frequently and not seeing them on a weekly or bi-weekly basis did take a toll and actually i'm having one of those days today where just like you know i miss being with the whole crew and we can't do that we actually haven't really been able to do that all summer so it's uh that's probably been one of the biggest challenges
2: my my friends are same here like but we've been doing i've been doing zoom meetings with my friends and like playing games through zoom online and it's not the same at all, and it's like it's like ten no. percent of the of the fun it's so yeah, I echo that.
0: yeah, that's yeah. what I was just going to say, like virtual get togethers, wow. it's not even close for me. It's fun and all like the first few times, like we did that to our group of friends the um, games at first, but after like the third time, it's not like this is something we would do when we'd normally hang out anyways and playing the same games after a couple of times, it loses its appeal mm-hmm. right but going to have to to get back into those habits probably for winter but uh, yeah virtual is just not the same i don't know i i thrive in a in person environment i feel like the humor is tough to get across like i talk with my hands a lot and even though you can see me in zoom i prefer the in person vibe for sure
1: yeah i'm a hugger too i i hug all my family and all my friends every time i see them and that's been really sad is what I would use as a descriptor. Like I miss, I miss that, that human contact. Mm -hmm.
0: And hugging is just like a manifestation of happiness. And uh, even though it's fun, it was fun when we all got together, like on Canada Day, for example, but no hugging. So uh, it's like, that's half the fun right there.
1: Yeah, (laughs) it is though. It makes a big difference. It feels like there's still that barrier between you yeah
0: <laughs> yeah so that would be uh, like how it's affected me anyways is like i miss seeing the people and um virtual is not the same but like it's still important i think to stay in touch with people is there anything else that you've done to um cope like more recently i'll say like because during summer you could still do a lot of things there's if you went out on patios go downtown get togethers anything even though you'd social distance We could still get together but now for the fall like it's starting to get colder and not as ideal to get together outside like just in someone's backyard or something have you either of you done anything lately that uh, has helped you deal with maybe not being alone because I know Matt you do go into the office you do go work like I still work at home and you do go to work right
1: yeah I'm dealing with something actually this other side of, of COVID now where, because I work as an occupational therapist, so I'm in the community. So I'm going into people's homes. I'm going into retirement homes and long-term cares. So I feel personally more responsible now to be very careful about who I'm seeing, um, so that I'm not bringing that into people. And I'm always, I'm also scared of getting it in places like that, right? There are, the expectation is that I still go into the homes if there's an outbreak, but I'm just wearing all my personal protective equipment. So there is that fear. So I'm kind of been preparing to, even if the gatherings stay at a 10 people, let's say, I'm preparing to not be able to attend those and make an effort to connect with people differently. Uh, Like you kind of both mentioned, like Zoom, it's not the best, for a lot of reasons, for one, like you can't have a one-on-one conversation with someone, right? So I've been trying to make phone calls to one person in my life every day. Um, it could be some of my friends, it could be family members, but I try to connect with one person on an individual level, and I feel like that keeps our relationship strong as opposed to these these Zoom meetings that are they're fun like you guys said the first few times but it's it's tough to really get anywhere i find with those
2: i agree 100 percent. and and eric you said like what what has kept me sane during COVID is actually going to work i work three days a week and those three days are like i i love going to work now because i get to talk to a whole bunch of people at a distance like i wear my mask and everything but it's just it's nice to interact with a lot of other people because if let's say I was working from home, I don't think I'd be, think I'd be a lot more depressed and like lonely. So I look forward to going to work every week and then my days off, I just keep busy. My, my whole goal is to not like have downtime where I'm just sitting down thinking and just like loafing on the couch. So that's going to the gym, you know, watching my TV shows at night, talking to my friends on, uh, like we just, we have this chat i just chat with them online um no like i i hate boredom and like it's it's really easy to be bored so i don't know going to work really helps really helps yeah
0: No, being alone with your thoughts and uh covid is not uh, not a good place to be no Um, no i mean that's awesome that you have that option like well, not option like you do have to go into work like me i'm just working at home alone there and it can get long for sure and that's why i'm like constantly texting people like during my breaks of course but i'm um, just like staying in touch <laughs> with people it's it's important and um i mean yeah, if you want to have a phone call with me just let me know i'm down to, to have some real chats you know because it's yeah. so true like you said zoom we, we'd be like maybe six to eight or nine in our zooms and it's just like i'm just being a clown like i'm not contributing (laughs) anything like pertinent to what's going on in my life kind of thing and no one really is either no one wants to really open up in front of everybody uh, virtually especially it's just weirder right like in person it'd be maybe a little easier if you actually had something major to announce i don't even know what that would be but you know (laughs) what i mean like it's just zoom is just such a light-hearted atmosphere where we're just all happy to be talking and seeing each other, but yeah. uh, the one-on-one, like you actually, like you said, get somewhere. Whereas Zoom, you don't. <laughs> but
1: yeah. yeah, and you get to just like connect with the other person and how how they're dealing with this because everybody's kind of just lost right now and rolling with what's what's coming. And I don't know. I find it helpful to just to talk about it, but also to forget about the whole situation you know what I mean yeah. yeah that makes sense that's kind of uh that's what I find interesting Matt with what you were saying is that you right now have some type of routine that you're sticking to and that must help tremendously because a lot of people are just like still waiting on or when can i go back to work or what's my workplace gonna look like and you know so i think that having that routine like you said being able to go to work having the gym as an outlet those are awesome things to do in these situations in my opinion
2: yeah i wouldn't be able to live without a routine like my whole life that's i love it and um the the one on one like I had a one on one with a friend on Zoom just one and that like totally different than ten people where everyone's interrupting each other that's the big thing on Zoom is like how do ten people talk to each other that you can't you know it's no yeah, one's
1: taking yeah with their the turns. lag yeah oh <laughs> yeah <laughs>
0: and like the dominant personalities you always want to be talking. Over mm-hmm. others, like there's for sure always like three three, four people who wanna be driving the conversation there. Like I'm more passive. I like to listen and not really speak, so it's tough. But um <laughs> yeah, no Matt, we're creatures of habit and like having a routine is huge. Me too, I need a routine and whenever it's slightly thrown off it's just uh, my whole day is it's messed up. But um, have either of you been, like, are you going back to the gym now? I'm still doing home workouts and don't really have an interest of going back to the gym.
1: Um, I've been going to Greco classes. They have, like, this box, I guess it's four feet by four feet, and you you're, have your own equipment in there, and you wear your face mask into the gym. You can take it off in your personal little workout space, and then you put it back on to leave, and they disinfect everything in between classes. So that's the only way for me to really feel comfortable um, given the situation. And like I said, I don't wanna be bringing this to clients or to my family. So, but in terms of going back to like good life, I, I know that they have their measures in place. I'm just, I haven't been there yet. I haven't seen what it looks like. So I'm a little hesitant.
2: Yeah, I've been, been going back to fit for less for maybe a month now. I try to go when there's less people, you book a time of 1 hour and 15 minutes, so there's not like, there's a limited number, but no, like people are still like, it's like the same but wear your mask when you're not doing an exercise, so, and I'm wiping, and everyone's wiping a lot more, but uh, no, I I had to go back, I was, the home workout's nice, but like when I'm at the gym, so much more motivated to actually do the exercises, and Mm -hmm. that's what you're there to do, so.
0: And there's only, there's only so much you can do with the homework out there. Like, especially if you don't have that many weights, which mm-hmm. I don't right now. So I'm just doing like body weight stuff. I tried to do some yoga yesterday with my mom and my aunt. Wasn't a good, wasn't a go. Just a tough, <laughs> tough go. And like five minutes and I had to call it quits. Cut the cord <laughs> there. But, um, okay. Yeah. Nice. One hour and 15 minutes solid like that's a solid time and I bet like before no one really wiped their machines I mean some people did but I feel like now it's like if you don't you're being chastised oh yeah yeah like you're getting Mm -hmm. fined like eight hundo for not wiping down a machine (laughs) so yeah I don't really miss going to the gym personally even though I said that it's it's limiting not having weights but it'd be kind of too much of a time-consuming activity for me to go to the gym because i'm in vars now so it'd be like probably 20 some minutes at least 20 minutes to get um. to the gym hour workout 20 minutes come back then i gotta make dinner you know it's different circumstances now you know not in the same uh hoy lake situation and like <laughs> for this kind of like uh, booking a time slot and like zach my brother's going to the gym he goes to good life If we could go together, that'd be nice, but like our schedules wouldn't line up. So I'm fine just doing home workouts.
1: Yeah. Home workouts, like at first I liked them because it, I, I'm a big weightlifter at the gym. And then when COVID hit and Good Life closed, I was forced to switch my workouts. Like you said, Eric, body weight and more cardio based things. Um, And it was really nice for a while. But I do miss, like, as time goes on, I find it a lot more difficult to get motivated to get in my garage and plan a workout with, with the limited equipment we have. You know, like, that to me is more time consuming than just going to Greco, where they, they've set up your your space, they've made your workout for you. And like, yes, there's that risk, but I, I think I'm limiting it as much as I can while preserving my mental health because mm-hmm. my workouts at home, sometimes I would finish them and, you know, there there really was no point. I just wasn't into them. I
2: and mean, then you get the TV on too while doing the workout. It's like, yeah. it's, it's, it's not good.
0: <laughs> yeah. I agree. Like I was way more motivated at the start of COVID when we were doing home workouts like me, my brother, and my mom. Just grinding out good, and Zach would lead the workouts through this. So we we do some tough exercises there, but um, like after a while, it kind of loses its charm and not pushing yourself as hard anymore. But still doing them to preserve that mental health. That's the reward versus no risk because I'm not going into the gym. But and it's, <laughs> it's, uh, it's no uh, no judgment at all. As precautions are being followed.
2: And what M said like minimizing the risk like you can't to me i have to go out and do some normal stuff because then i'll go crazy like i've gone back to the movie theater because like i used to go every week yeah i used to go every weekend before like i'm a big movie person so i like i went to the theater all the time and i'm like i'm gonna go crazy i just have to go back and see what it's like so i've been back twice and like i need normalcy and like i will like i ate out on patios a lot in the summer and like i Try to preserve some semblance of what it was like back then because mm-hmm. like we're it's it's gonna go into next year and then we're gonna like this will become the new norm. I, I don't want this to be the new normal so i don't know mm-hmm. i'm trying to do lots of things from 2019
0: <laughs> yeah you know, those are the days man like the 2016 to 2019 era golden age I was on a run back then But it's all good. Just hit the reset button for 2020. Hopefully, like, the back half of 2021 will be buzzing again. So talking about the gym as somewhere to decompress from your work life, some stress you may have, and just return to normalcy, Matt, like you said. What are some other ways that you help decompress your stress with, whether that be at work? Like, just how do you deal with a stressful situation where it might be different nowadays with – how your life has changed because of COVID and the quarantine and all that. But like, as an example, I could just provide for what dealing with a stressful situation in this virtual era would be like for me, for example, when I'm at work and we have, we have a meeting, let's say like a 25 to 30 people meeting and it's pretty standard. Like back in the day, we'd all be in the same room together. It, it's two sites. So one, in winnipeg one in ottawa but we'd all see each other and the environment was much more easygoing, like maybe cracking some jokes here and there and just keeping it light but now i'm just alone at my computer calling in via teleconference and then when it comes to be my turn to speak not that i'm shy or uncomfortable to talk but there's just that for some reason more anxiety before it's actually my turn to just speak to a blind or perform blindly to an audience I can't see. Like I get a little worried about what I'm going to say and how I'm received because I can't see the people, you know? So that's actually something that recently, like in the last few meetings, I've actually worked on a little and improved in that I would get a little nervous, but then just remind myself, like, just take a couple of deep breaths, like lower my shoulders as I'm doing right now for the ones who can't see. Just like, <laughs> it's not a big deal. I mean, I know what I'm talking about. There's no need to actually worry about how I'm coming across here, even though I can't see like facial cues and whatnot. Just say what you have to say. If people judge, I can't see them. So it's all good. And uh, I mean, it's all you learn. Let's say if I make a fool out of myself and what I have to say, someone might may chime in and say like, Oh, actually, this is wrong for X, Y reason, whatever. So that's something I've been trying to improve for myself. It's just like being conscious of my breathing and being aware of a situation where I am being anxious and stressed and just relaxing.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. Um, That's what I was gonna say. Breathing for me is my go-to when I start feeling anxious. And lately, you know, as I'm starting this new job, new career, recent grad, I get anxious every single day. And, and I, I too, I'm like, you know, I'm going in to see these clients and well, what if I can't uh, solve this problem or what if they don't like me or what if they think I'm too young? You know what I mean? So I get anxious all the time and I have to force myself to focus on my breathing sometimes for 10, 20 minutes in a row, usually in the morning for me. And then it's just positive talk to yourself throughout those situations and like you said okay people might judge me I'm not seeing their reactions so it's not going to change anything and plus you're always more aware of yourself than anyone else's and that's something I've been trying to live by as well Um, but yeah I think you you hit the nail on the head breathing is definitely my go-to anxiety release
0: Gotta love a good breath. Yeah, no, you doubled down on that nail on the head. Like, agree hundred um, percent.
2: The breathing. I'll just touch quickly on it. It's super important because it like, you're literally getting more oxy. Like your brain. If you if you're not breathing enough, your brain. You're not getting enough oxygen to your brain. Basically, all my problems started every time I'm anxious or stressed is because I'm not. I forget to like take deep breaths. And think clearly now but the main way I deal with stress and anxiety is just my way of thinking of things so over the past maybe three years I've come to the conclusion that anytime I've been anxious or stressed out it's because I always assume or think I know exactly how the day or the situation is gonna unfold now and I've noticed over the years that I've been wrong 99.9% of the time and there's actually nothing to worry about and now I, go, I always go into situations not being, not being certain and not assuming anything, not, not having any expectations and I'm not saying like, oh, have zero expectations, everything's going to be fine. No, I'm just not like, I don't always think of a negative outcome now or I just, I know it's, it's going to happen and there's nothing I can do about it, um, which helps me tremendously at work with dealing with stressful situations. Uh, Co-workers that are anxious or stressed out, like, I try to talk to them, and that helps me and them, because then, like, we're both dealing with, we're trying to help each other out. Um, I try not to read too much stuff on social media about, like, all the news feeds I get. Like, whether you want them or not, they're there on your Facebook, or people posting stupid stuff, like, claiming it to be all fact, but I think we're going to be talking about that later. (laughs) (laughs) um but basically to sum up my my way is not like being uncertain actually really helped me in my life because now i don't like i don't i don't have any preconceived notions of what's gonna happen i just go in and you know hope for the best
0: (laughs) i'm gonna identify this snippet of you saying that and just listen to that on a loop because i was like words of wisdom right there um super well said and like that's a great mindset adjustment to make where you would go into a situation maybe like assume like this isn't going to go well and then that's kind of like a self fulfilling prophecy that it won't go well kind of thing right so Mm -hmm. you go in with no expectations anything can happen it may be good it may be bad but at least you didn't go into it thinking it would be bad kind of thing
1: yeah and i think it kind of comes back to that that idea of control like you can control what you do and what you say but you're entering all these different situations with different people who are going through different things and you don't know how it's going to play out so you're right like at a certain point you just got to go with it and not set yourself up for failure because anything could happen
2: yeah every single time i've been anxious i've been wrong about the situation how it ended up it everything worked out in the end and i realized why am i being why am I overthinking this when every time I do it, I just end up, you know, it causes me pain in my stomach or my head or, you know, like the symptoms. So, no, it's, it's worked great. And I didn't come up with this by myself. I've read stuff in books, talked to like uh, professionals and no, no, it's, it, it really yeah. works actually. And the more you think that way, your brain, you have to practice thinking that way. And it's like working out for your brain. And then the more you do it, the better you get at it
0: great stuff all of you like I think all three of us made some good points there and uh, yeah just don't overthink that's a that's a major one man textbook overthinker as well I try to just be like go with the flow sometimes it's tough but I think that is the way to go and like like Em said you only control so much and what you can't control don't try to control just make the best out of every situation you're in plus
1: like thus far Every single one of us has made it through any anxious situation. So that's another thing to keep in mind. Like however anxious I am now, this moment will pass and and tomorrow will come. And that's something I also try to remember um, when I am feeling very stressed out or anxious about something specific coming up, you know?
2: That's very well said.
0: Tomorrow will be another day to be anxious. So let's just enjoy today. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. Um,
0: I've also got some words of wisdom up my sleeve. So um, I have another question. Just do you think that anxiety comes from social media or was it around do you think in years past or like in past generations where our parents, for example, didn't grow up with social media at all? Do you think it's, I think it's been amplified by it, but do you think it, stems from social media to begin with why were like anxious in social situations or was it always around
1: I think that anxiety has always been around because if I think of myself in elementary school when social media was not part of my life I remember being an anxious kid like I remember having these same feelings mostly uh, surrounding school like Eric, you know, I have major anxiety about performing well uh, when I'm being evaluated, that kind of stuff. But I think that social anxiety, a huge part of that may come from social media and the expectations that are set out for us and the, the beauty standards that are that are what's ex- expected and they're unrealistic. So I think that there is a huge part that comes from it, but not all anxiety. Is, is related to it.
2: I, I believe anxiety probably existed since forever, just not like at the same intensity. Like maybe 500 years ago, it was like 0.1% of the population felt maybe feelings of anxiety. But I mean, 99% of the population was focused on getting food and shelter. So it was only the rich that probably felt that way because they already had all their amenities and luxuries and all that. Of course, like me too, when I was in elementary school, I had those feelings. But you don't, back then, I, you're not really aware of what everyone's thinking because there's no social media. But now it's like, you know how everyone's, fe- like, I know how my coworkers are feeling. I can go on Facebook and see, like, what they're posting. <laughs> everyone's aware of what everyone else is thinking. So it's like amplified by a hundred, by a thousand now, which sucks yeah. because, you know, sometimes that makes you anxious seeing someone else's anxiety or, um, but for sure, it's been around forever.
0: But seldom are the ones who actually post about anxiety on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or whatever. Like people only, and we talked about this, Andy and I, on the pod we did on Social Media and Society. Episode 18, great episode, check it out. Um, just <laughs> like how no one really posts the bad stuff on social media. or People do, mm. but mostly you'll just see projections of people's successes and everything that's going on so well in their lives. Like, everyone else that's is right. winning right now in the world. You can see it clearly on Instagram, right? Everyone's, like, people just post the good stuff. So that's where, em, your to your point, it comes as a factor of, like, oh, all these people are doing so well, and I'm here like a dead-end job maybe, I've never traveled before, if that's something that you want to do. Anyways, not for everybody, but whatever. Just like you're seeing these different people succeeding, but they're all going through their own issues that they're not really posting. They're projecting a a front of what they want you to see. Mm -hmm. And just to tie it into how that affects your own anxiety is like you're seeing your peers succeed, you're not, lower self-esteem. And that could be like for an adult but then when you bring that into consideration for a young kid, like a preteen girl, for example, who has to look like another girl in her class, it's whatever's more beautiful than her in her mind, I don't know. There, those pressures, and they talk about that in the Social Dilemma documentary on Netflix that we can also segue into now. It's just like how scary was that documentary? Like it's a lot of stuff that I already knew, but it's just crazier to hear it be said by these experts who actually worked at these companies like Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that.
2: Yeah, it was fright frightening documentary, and I didn't know. I I I learned a lot. Like I didn't know the extent of how bad that was. Like every company, basically, like w- they w- we are the we are the we are the the product, and they're buying our attention basically. Like they just and it's true. Like when I go on all my like I'm I'll I'll be the first to admit it. Like. Sometimes I'm addicted to my phone and I can't let it go. And it's become a problem. But, like, every different app I go on, it's like, oh, which do I go on Facebook now or Instagram or this or that? It's, And then I get ads that cater to what I've been, like, Googling or yeah. whatever.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's
2: very scary. Yeah,
1: yeah I uh, I knew it to a certain degree as well. I mean, if I go on my Explore feed on Instagram, there's either photos or videos of cats or glute exercises. <laughs> so, like, literally, but I just didn't realize to what point everything was so calculated according to what you're searching, what you're clicking, what you're liking, um, and that is scary. And like you said, we are the product. Our attention is is the their goal, and that is scary. I think that uh, one of the strategies that... I'm trying to use, I don't, you do it all the time, of course, but is to set, set a time in my day where I can check Instagram, check Facebook and not pay attention to it the rest of the day. smart.
2: Sounds hard though.
1: It's (laughs) hard. And it's like, I'm saying this, it probably only happens two days a week where I'm successful at it but I'm trying to because like kind of what to to respond to what Eric was saying earlier in the podcast, our phone and what we do with it has become like a pacifier to us. Instead of dealing with emotions like boredom or anxiety or loneliness, we go to our phone for distraction and we, we lose hours there. And then, while doing this we're comparing ourselves like you said to other people and you know uh, a big thing for me is seeing people our age buying homes and and i compare myself to that and i'm nowhere near that and so it's that kind of double-edged sword where we go into it thinking this will distract me and then we leave it feeling even worse yeah yeah. super well said
2: i love that pacifier uh (laughs) that's exactly what it is for me Uh, I feel like if I if I'm doing something and I could be doing it while watching a video on my phone then I should be doing that because I'm I'm wasting I, I could be accomplishing more that's why I'm always on my I feel like I always have to do more oh like I could be watching a video while eating instead of just eating and doing nothing I oh, could be okay.
0: no. No one just eats anymore here. You got it on your it's phone
2: crazy or watching something. It's, it's crazy, just... yeah.
0: And like that's the thing is they, like, they've they even said it in the video, and you have both said it. They basically invest in us and in human futures. Like that's their, um, market or their product. Basically, we're the product, like you both said there. But it's basically how they're like molding our behaviors, thoughts, ideologies, all of that. It's so crazy to think that like now i'm questioning my every not every single thought there but just like certain things about myself it's like do i like that because of twitter or like they're kind of making they they make us see what we want to see and then we think that's what we want to see but it's because they want us to see it you know like two people could be on the same app follow the same people on twitter let's say but they're not seeing the exact same tweets in the same order because they know us based on our previous actions on other websites and stuff so they'll showcase some information uh, before the other person kind Mm -hmm. of thing so that's crazy to think like depending on where you live in the world and what you've searched in the past like climate change is if you type that in google it'll depend based on your uh, history
1: yeah and uh, the whole idea around fake news and how it spreads some six times faster than real news, yep. oh, that's that's a scary thought, especially during these times. A lot of the clips in uh, The Social Dilemma showed people's reaction to coronavirus, and a lot of it I wasn't even aware of, because reading about coronavirus day in day out kind of got really old for me so I kind of stopped paying attention to it it was shocking to me to see how people around the world are reacting to this and how big of an impact social media platforms have and just the the mass reactions that that this causes
2: yeah like take for example when COVID started the People were posting about like uh, paper, uh, toilet paper running out, which caused like that. Those posts of we're gonna run out caused it felt self-fulfilling prophecy. It caused it to happen and stores running out of toilet paper. And that's just a small example. And it's toilet paper. It's not really important. But what if substitute toilet paper with something else, like you know elections or something else? Like it has the power to influence the politics. And I mean, we all like. 2016 the election there was a rushing russian meddling and well i mean allegedly and uh that's the scariest part of the social dilemma that documentary on netflix was what can it what will it be used for in the future and like will we even know we're being duped which is terrifying like who do we believe who do you trust anymore i don't know
0: can't trust anybody and like that's oh. the thing like they um once you start going down a rabbit hole of a certain kind of video like that kid in the the little story that they had in the video they'll only show you stuff that strengthen your own beliefs and that's how they divide us like I think they pretty much said that in the documentary or or else that was just my takeaway brilliantly coming up with this and like they'll just (laughs) basically that's how they pit us against each other by only showing us what falls in line with our beliefs and like you said M, like you had and not to make this political at all there, but just based on the people you'll follow on your social media platforms, you'll only see the one side of the coin. And that's all I'm seeing is like from the people I follow on Twitter, for example, is the anti-Trump people. Yeah. But there's a large majority of people who will never see those tweets because they only follow Trump supporters kind of thing. You know what I mean? So you'll only see what falls in line with your own beliefs unless you actively seek it out which i definitely don't like i'll only go so far as to look stuff up on the internet anyways i'm not really digging up any political conspiracies or that um focus on finding out what the truth is i'll see something okay that's the truth and just take it at face value but like you said like fake news spreads way faster than real news so and depending on what the news outlet is like of course they're going to promote what they want you to believe so that's always been around though that's the thing but now with social media it's like even more impossible to know what's true and what's not
2: well and a lot of the times like on facebook for example you're just going to browse the, you're not going to see like what site it's from you just browse the title quickly and be like oh and then you'll tell a coworker, "Look what I saw online. Uh, this, this, and this." And then they're gonna tell like yeah. five other people. And I try not to do that. And I always say like, "Oh, I just read on this website," or, and then you look at the website and it's just like, uh, yeah, tabloid esque crap. You know, like news, like paper newspapers. Those are more reputable sources because they actually have like journalists and they they do their homework. But some of these like, TMZ esque websites where they're just like they just want it's clickbait right yeah and then you read the article it's not even what the title was and (laughs) I know a lot of people that are like you know people that aren't necessarily as I don't want to say less smart but like you know the people that are more gullible they're the ones that spread that stuff like crazy and they'll tell like everyone at work and that's like that's what I deal with at my work is just people announcing facts you know, like, I just did air quotes on a podcast. That that doesn't translate well. <laughs> so are, uh, you,
0: are you saying that you're one of these gullible people, though? Because you just said that you would see a title and then tell it to people at work.
2: Only if it's, like, from, a, like, a CTV. Like, only from a reputable news uh, source. Okay, okay. Not, like, Buzz City or all these shitty... <laughs> there's, like, millions of them.
1: Yeah, but something else that I found shocking, I mean... I knew to a certain degree but not to this extent was the rate of depression, anxiety and suicide skyrocketing um, ma- among young teenagers just because of all of this, like, you know, not enough likes or this person isn't responding to me or I just, I, I can't, it's just so unimaginable how big of an impact this has on every individual life, you know?
0: That was so sad. Like, those stats from the 10 to 14-year-old girls, the percentages for, like, self-harm and then depression go up and, and suicides, excuse me, go up, like... Eighty. I wrote it down somewhere, not with me on right now. They're like eighty percent, and then a hundred and sixty percent for suicide or something. But yeah, it's brutal for, for uh, preteen and then teenage girls. It's uh, that was so sad. To, you're like you kind of knew, but seeing it made it so much real and didn't know it was that bad, right? Since yeah. Seeing the stats,
1: like yeah. the stats are alarming, and it just makes me question, like kind of like the the. I think you posted a question about it on your poll. Do you? we think that people should have uh, social media in middle school? I, I think I had... Like, Eric, by the time we were in middle school, we didn't really have stuff like Facebook and Instagram, right?
0: So... I got my first no I got I was on Facebook at like the end of grade nine myself and I think I was kind of late like I think people maybe got on like grade eight or something or maybe grade ten actually. it was like nine or ten. It was definitely not when we were in middle school though.
1: Yeah, so I think that we may have just just missed that, mm-hmm. but it still had an impact on my life personally and I can't imagine having been younger and being uh so impacted by this
2: i'm just i'm extremely happy i missed all that in high school too actually i i was a totally different person in high school and i'm I. it would have made it it would not have been good for me to have instagram and facebook like like facebook was just starting when i was in like grade 10 11 so no i'm so glad i dodged all of that because like an example my cousin three years ago she told me she's like yeah, on Instagram, if I don't get enough likes in the first hour or so, I just delete my post because she doesn't want to post yeah. with not a lot of likes. And and then when they were talking about that in the documentary when that girl was like, she deleted her picture and redid it because she wasn't get, getting likes right away on Pinterest or, or was it on Instagram? Anyway, it doesn't matter. I
0: think it was like some, some weird op, but it, it represented Instagram, I think.
2: It, it, it's real like that when she told me that i, I kind of got scared i'm like "Jeez, so you're only you're literally only doing this to like get attention and like to be popular i guess and then it has the opposite effect you know when if you're the less popular there's always these like in high school seeing everyone's achievements in that just would have brought me down and i think that's what's happening now to the 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 people you know you who's figured themselves out in high school already? Not like maybe half yeah. the people, but oh, the other <laughs> half, They exactly. So you don't need that to like bring you down even more. So I'm, I'm immensely happy. I dodged all that. Um,
1: yeah. I, I think that people confuse likes and comments on their stuff for self-esteem and, and confidence. Um, and then, like you said, Adults and even older adults still react like that, so imagine it as a teen, of course you're going to feel very deflated if you're not getting any likes i mean that's that's kind of one of the one of their only ways of of feeling popular, like you said, and that's a really scary thought
0: so that was one of the quotes I actually wrote it down from the documentary was we curate our lives around this perceived sense of perfection because we got rewarded with these short term signals and conflate them with value and truth with likes what it is fake bridal popularity, which leaves you vacant and empty before even more so before than you posted it kind of thing. So like it's short term reward. That really means nothing at the end of the day. And you're addicted to it. Like, it leaves you wanting more likes for the next time. And it's just sad. And, man, that's terrible, Matt. Like, and to bring it back to what you said, it's good. Like, I feel like we also, Matt, you definitely missed it. But we also kind of missed that where likes were really important. Like, I remember I had Facebook, but it's not like I was posting much on there anyways. And I wouldn't get many likes on my picks. It wasn't a big deal, though, back then. But I think fast forward whatever 10 years or so to a kid in the same situation as i was when i was in grade 10 or 11 posting pics if they didn't get likes it's terrible for them like you just said my your example so thankfully i think our mindset's a little different because we didn't grow up with it like i only got my yeah. phone at the end of grade eight and that was like a flip phone like nextel chirp trap phone there like i did hit the same button three times for the C or whatever you know yeah. so it was like but I, I could text so fast with it with one thumb too i was an absolute yeah. weapon with that phone <laughs> but um yeah so that's why i posted the poll i just wanted to see what people thought and thanks for bringing it up i'm kind of stealing that segment from me but it's all good so <laughs> the question was quick quick poll for tonight's episode on mental health and social media Kids should not be allowed to have a cell phone until they are in high school. So, basically, not until they're done middle school. And right now, the results are 72% agree, 28% disagree. Not going to name names on who voted what. But, uh, yeah, I I think they shouldn't have phones until high school. And someone, actually friend of the program, Basam Issa, responded saying, I think they shouldn't have smartphones until high school, but flip phones shout out me in grade eight or whatever before that is fine for emergencies and whatnot yeah thoughts
1: yeah I mean that's a good point the flip phone thing I agree I also started out with a flip phone but that's pretty much because smartphones weren't in <laughs> um, but it's difficult now like you said Eric we used to get three or four likes on our Facebook and and it didn't really bother us but you look at people now and there are 14 15 year olds making money on tiktok like that's insane like these these kids are comparing themselves to these uh like we're in the era of influencers right now which is what we didn't have we didn't have that to compare to or to strive for so i think that it's (laughs) times have changed
0: it's it's sad that that's something that you could possibly strive for, but, <laughs> I mean, get your money however by any means. But uh, yeah, it's it's opened up a new realm for career paths. Yeah, no you can need live for off a YouTube. College or pre pre-collegial, straight to influencer. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> I didn't. I I actually didn't even answer that question on your Instagram because I didn't know which one to pick because i can see both sides i think i'm leaning towards more like agreeing with they shouldn't have a smartphone before high school but i also don't see the harm in a parent properly teaching their kids at a younger age to use an android or an iphone and you know if you if you tell a kid you can't have that for like five years they're the the first thing they're gonna want is to do it and not listen to you so if you introduce it yourself and show them how to use it put um restrictions like only maybe 20 minutes a day on youtube or longer obviously uh 20 minutes is not enough <laughs> but uh video yeah how many videos yeah if you educate them properly younger they might be fine when they get to high school instead of oh it's grade nine here's your phone go to town do whatever you want it's like i don't know i don't i don't have a i don't think i see a problem with a younger with a, someone younger before high school having a smartphone if it's done properly so but no there's some that's the positive of social media and stuff though it's a career like people live off youtube twitch like people stream games for a living now and make a ton of money so no it's more more options to have a career so there's a lot of good stuff about we're on the negative of course but i mean (laughs) we can play that we we'll, we would be here all night if we talked about the positives and the negatives and do they do the positives outweigh the negatives? I don't know.
0: So yeah.
1: But no, I know, that's bit, a, I've been I yeah. feel
0: like I've been very negative. I need to switch it up here my energy onto the the bright side. But yeah.
1: uh, but the pod or the the documentary is portraying the negative, right? Yeah, right. right. Yeah. But I agree with what you're saying, Matt. It's it's probably safer and smarter for parents to take that approach where you can have it but regulate it and teach them about it and you know and make it a way like teach the kids that likes and whatever does not mean self-value I think that that's something that this Gen Z wasn't taught because this is all new this is developing and they're just the guinea pigs going through it. But I think that there are positive ways to do it. And like you said, if if a parent is super strict and the kid is asking for for a smartphone or for social media platforms, they're going to find a way to do it, probably. So I think that it's that's a really good point you brought up.
0: Yeah, I mean, teaching your kids how to use it properly. But then when I fear, and this is why like I don't want to get too negative here, but it's the other parents who may not be going with that approach to their kids who are giving them like free reigns of yeah go do whatever you want on this iphone 12 whereas i'm on like iphone se and these kids who can't like (laughs) you know but anyways so that's the thing it's like the i feel like being a parent nowadays and like going forward is much be must be so much harder with these extra things to worry about like internet and virtual um pressures and whatever but that's the thing like you would need to have be a very strong parent and really teach your kid well and to be obedient to listen to how you're teaching them on how to use the device so that's the approach i will be uh, attempting to adopt down the road whenever that may be so um because yeah you're right like if you tell a kid like you can't have this like that's
1: the only thing that
0: they'll want so Mm
1: -hmm. yeah exactly
2: and also, I, I, I can't remember if the documentary talked about this, but all these kids that are going through this now, like the everyone in high school right now, I mean, in 10 years they're going to be the younger adult generation and they're going to, cases of anxiety and stress are going to sky, are skyrocketing. So like, how is that going to affect the new workforce in the future? And when we're going to all be, you know, close to retirement, like what's the younger generation going to be like basically cuz they're getting shaped by social media right now and we have no idea what the impacts going to be right cuz they're all like still kids right now it's interesting to think about because is like what's going to happen basically is it going to cause yeah. like you know like when you're going to be going into like a grocery store or like are the young are the workers going to how are people gonna act in social situations basically? So I don't know are people gonna be more timid? Are people gonna be more con- like less confrontational and scared? Because I think that's what the younger generation... <laughs> people don't like that confrontation now like face to face. yeah go ahead
0: because it's it's so much easier behind yeah. a phone or like a keyboard to be confrontational, but then in person, mm-hmm. they won't have the same social skills. Mm -hmm. To actually be able to have a normal conversation and won't even know what to do with their fists if what they were preaching behind their keyboard was violence. I'm like, how do I fight this person? And then hopefully the person who was getting bullied will know how to fight and could retaliate. But anyways, we're not preaching violence here. I'm obviously joking. But uh, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, it's true, man. People for sure won't know how to interact with each other in public and they'll just be glued to their phones and texting each other in person and you're already seeing that like we had been seeing that before covid like kids my um my cousins kids for example like who are younger than me but have better phones than me and whatever i'm not bitter and uh, like they're just texting each other at the dinner table and um that's just the way it is Sadly, like, thank God yeah. I didn't grow up like that and, like, went outside, played around and, like, would would have to call someone on the phone to talk to them after school if we weren't hanging out, you know, so.
1: Yeah, you're so right. And to tie that in with the theme of, of what we've been talking about, that, that generation going through all this social media stuff, amplified by COVID, putting everything online anyways, so... Uh, no more school, you're behind your screen. Like you said, like, what is that going to look like in a, in a social situation, when you're so used to being able to just turn your camera off and kind of hide behind your screen? Or even with masks, I, I catch myself doing it sometimes too. I'm wearing a mask that's covering half my face. Sometimes I even have a ball cap on. Like, I'm just so isolated from other people and I could be doing anything with my face, like facial expressions when I'm irritated and, you know, it's hidden. So it's not a big deal. But what's that going to look like with this generation that's molded by social media, electronics and COVID? (laughs) Yeah.
0: It's the holy trinity right there. (laughs) The unholy trinity.
2: (laughs) Mm -hmm. And... uh and of course we're general, like, of course some people are going to be fine, but I think a lot of people are going to be more anti-social in the future, less likely to, you know, go out, have, like, interact, like, like, you know, like, online dating, okay, it's nice, like, I've never done it, but it takes away from, like, you know, the old school way of going into a bar and talking to people, and it's, like, you can compare it just with that, like, They just simplified it. They simplified it, but they took away the human element, I guess. Now you're just like...
0: The chase, you know. Now it's just like, here, like, go, (laughs) go nuts. It's like, swipe Swipe. left, swipe right, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But that's huge, though, especially right now. Like, we've seen so many COVID couples and COVID breakups, too. Like, that's been... um, yeah, no, like, just, yeah, anyways, there's, um, a lot of people getting together and then others who aren't having as much success, like, break, breakups and stuff there, but yeah, no, it's, uh, going into bars, that's gonna look a whole lot different, like, I don't know who's down to going to a nightclub nowadays, they while, while we we're in the car today on the radio, they're announcing that, like, oh, they're limiting capacity to 50 people at a nightclub, like, who the hell wants to go to a nightclub right now, like, really missing, like, addiction or something,
1: <laughs> oh God, those were the days, eh? You know, those, like <laughs>
0: not that I would want to go back to two thousand twelve, but <laughs> you know, that, that was like uh, carefree. Those were like the the equivalent of like the the eighties for the the flower children. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: I totally agree with you. Yeah. Like, those were good times. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but it's like I was talking about now. I'm just kind of bringing it back to work how it's changed and like how my last week in the office it was just so fun and like we're just like I miss that dynamic of just having the lunchroom ciphers with the homies not that we were actually a rap but like just chat and um, just like the things you took for granted that like we had no idea that come Monday that was going to be like the last time we saw each other in the office you know it's like the things we took we didn't even know how lucky we were back then
1: yeah big time
2: which will we be more appreciative when all this is over i think so and i think there's going to be a little high everyone will be on a little high for a little bit
1: positive
0: matt i love it i agree
1: (laughs) yeah definitely yeah eric i relate to you because i had uh you know we were in in school every day for with the same 40 people and a lot of the, the people I went to school with weren't from Ottawa. So when COVID hit and everything was kind of just put to online mode, people went back home and it was just like, boom, just like that. Uh, I am never gonna see them again. And that, that was difficult for me um, to not get to really have closure and, and just to think, you know, I had that time to say goodbye to the friends that I had made over the past two years. But um, yeah, it's that that's been rough too. I, I think for sure we're gonna take we we're going to be more appreciative of these things as the restrictions loosen.
0: But are you still like keeping in touch with all those people though? With social media, like, that's the great thing about it. Like I know it's been mentioned before there, but it is great that you can maintain those connections there and like have a nice one-on-one call with any of them if you wanted to.
1: Yeah. Totally. I think that, uh, I have been keeping in touch with them, but it's just different in terms of dynamics. You're, you're not all together and I don't know, it's different, but it is, you're right. Like that, those connections are still possible.
0: And that's definitely one of the biggest pluses of social media is how it can be used as a tool to maintain all those connections for sure. It's very well said. And we didn't get any questions for, um, on Instagram for this topic which is fine though we had a lot to to go over ourselves and i think we did a good job the three of us there contributing to how we can better mental health and um, talking about our own experiences
2: it's not an easy subject to someone to just like announce like it's more of a touch, touchy subject we're doing like you're asking sure. someone like how they're mentally how they're like ment- no one wants to talk about that right so
1: yeah. yeah, I think that it's important though. I like. I'm really happy to have voiced um, myself on this because, yes, it's super touchy and people aren't always open to talking about it. But we're, as much as this is out of our control, we're all living it together and it's uh, impacting us all. So I think that it is cool that that we are addressing it.
0: Yeah, I agree. Like it's something that in the like I said at the start, it's at the. In the last few years, people have talked about it more, but still not enough, like not even close enough. And everyone goes through stuff, and no one really wants to talk about it. And I don't blame them for, like, thinking about if someone wanted to come on the pod to tell all their stories of what they've been going through. Like, I wouldn't expect that, but I do want it known that if anyone out there wants to talk about anything that they're going through with me, like, I go through my own stuff. I'm sure both of you do as well there. We all do. So I'm always open to listen and um, just try to move through forward as well as we can. And like we've all said, some good uh, gems of quotes, if I can say so, for on behalf of the three of us there. And just, like, try not to worry. Breathe in, breathe out, and don't try to control everything. Just go with the flow. I'm going to have to go back and listen to what Matt said earlier. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, any uh, part, I think... Those were your parting words, Em. It was awesome to have you on here. Super fun. Thanks so much for coming on the pod. Yeah, any yeah, final words, you. though, for the audience?
1: Uh, just thanks to both of you for having me. This was fun. It didn't. Uh, I actually, speaking of mental health, I was a little anxious coming into this, but no, it, this was really good. It was yeah. really fun.
0: It usually is. <laughs> Matt, any final words for the audience?
2: Yeah, final words would be, and to and trust me when I say this listeners like it actually feels great talking about like how you're feeling in your mental state you you might not think so but I've done it I've had conversations one-on-one with people and it actually feels really good and listening feels good too and talking about it so that's all if if one of you makes the effort and does that I mean I'll be immensely happy that I convinced you to do that and I hope everyone stays safe out there and it was a blast like great conversation we had and I don't know I could have talked it's it's something that like I won't get tired of talking about because it's constantly evolving and yeah so thanks for coming on M.
1: thank you big
0: time agreed to all your points Matt and yeah I hope everyone enjoyed and uh, took something positive away from it and uh, learned about the importance of mental health and uh, yeah so everyone thank you all for listening love you all Stay tuned for episodes dropping every other Monday. Continue to stay safe. Yeah. Peace. Peace
1: out. That was fun.